0: Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I'm so happy that you're here. And I believe that God's Word is able to build you up, to empower you to do what He has called you to do, and very importantly, to be the person that He has called you to be. Today, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 11 We want to look at verse 24 and verse 25. We're going to receive the holy tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of God. Praise the Lord. And God has a tremendous plan to bless you financially. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 11, verse 24. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, But it leads to poverty. Verse 25, The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. My friends, it is the generous, liberal soul that will be made rich, that will be made fat. Praise God. Not so much the receiving soul. Now, I I love receiving, and there is an element of where we have to receive in order to have seed to sow. But my friends, it's not the receiving that makes you; it's the giving. Praise the Lord. Giving is what makes you, and I think there is a place in your life where you begin to understand the joy. Of giving. And giving is living. Praise the Lord. As a matter of fact, if you're tight fisted and you make those American dollars scream because you grip them so tight, praise the Lord, <laughs> then uh, you're not really living. And you need to discover, my friends, the joy of giving. Now, I believe that the tithe, which is 10%, is the very lowest level that we as Christians should be giving at. And we should not tithe out of some type of obligation in the sense we better do it or God could strike us with a thunderbolt. No, the Lord's commandments are not burdensome. Praise God. All of the commandments are God, of God, they are for our liberation. They are for our lifting up. Hallelujah! So we should rejoice in them, including the Lord's instructions and commandments to tithe. But we should do so with a joyful heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. Or, you know, with a compulsion or something like that where you, you feel that you have to do it even if you don't want to. But we should give in this manner. We're directed by God, for God loves a cheerful giver. And in the Greek, it actually says a happy, hilarious, quick to do it giver. That's amazing. Praise the Lord. So giving should be done joyfully. And as you do that, you begin to go into this realm where living, or excuse me, giving is living. It really brings so much joy to your life. You know, my wife and I, we noticed when we were looking at the website of our uh, the school, right, which is our neighbor right across from us, that they had some needs and that there were some things that the teachers were needing. One of those things was a laptop, and uh, I'm glad that they didn't want to uh, a, how can I say a cheap laptop? They wanted a really good one for the intent that they had, uh, that they were wanting to use it for. And they had priced out a really uh, nice laptop. And you know what? My wife and I, we saw those needs, those particular needs, and we just wrote them a check and paid for the whole thing. And you know what? They they appreciate things like that. And it, uh, I share these examples because, the Lord wants you to come into a lifestyle where you actually get more excited about giving than you do receiving. Now, we're always going to love receiving. But you'll also notice the childlike element of receiving because children get very excited during Christmas. And because of uh, their young age, there's a natural tendency of selfishness, so they don't get excited about giving. But when you grow in the Lord, you become to get very excited about giving. And it was just it's just nice that my wife and I could do that, could just write a check, bless the school, bless the students and pay it off with just one check. And let me say this. You do not have to be a multimillionaire to get into this. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm not walking around with deep pockets. You know, it's not like I've got, you know, thousands and or, you know, millions of extra dollars that's, that's not what the Lord is looking for. He's looking for your heart to be open to him for not only to honor him with what he has asked for, which is the tithe and you know when there's special opportunity to sow seed for ministry projects, but this this just becomes a lifestyle. This becomes a lifestyle. God, you've got my tithe, but that's it. Well, you know, God's not poor. He's not broke. He's not like, well, that's all they're given. But we're going to have to lay some angels off over here. Who's, who's waiting, uh, How many angels want to go into retirement? I can't afford to keep you on staff anymore. No, this is, this is all for our benefit. Praise the Lord. And as you live this, you'll see opportunities. Now, th- there's opportunities everywhere, but you have to look for the ones that the Holy Spirit lines up and that would touch your heart. And it could be something just as simple. As going through the Starbucks line, and when you get up to the drive through line, you say, I want to get the person behind me. That's so fun to do. Oh, but if I do that and leave, they'll never know who did it. Yeah, exactly. And preferably, that would be the, the way that we can do it most of the time. Now, sometimes you people will know if there's a check, they're going to see the name on the check or something like that. But... You know, uh, I was going through the Starbucks line uh, sometime back and uh, there was an old broken down car uh, that was somehow still driving behind me. The lady in the car was smoking a cigarette. She looked like she had had a really bad day. Uh, honestly, she looked like she had had a really bad life. It probably took her it probably took everything she had to have, the little extra to go through the Starbucks drive through, and I can see her in my rearview mirror looking up. I see her, and I said, Oh, Lord, bless that, bless that lady. She probably doesn't know you. And even if she does know you, she, she hasn't had uh, the revealing of your ways, and so she's obviously hurting. So I get, I get to, the, you know, to the window before she does because I'm in front of her, and I pay for mine. I say, You know, get the person uh, back behind me. Okay. And, you know, they tell, they tell you how much it is. You can just knock it out. I mean, what's $5. You don't have to be a multimillionaire to do that. It's just $5. <laughs> Woo! But see, so you can pray for somebody like that and it touches them. You, you doing these acts of giving may be in that person's life. The only time they'll ever experience something like that. Mm-mm. Praise God. And you just, you just, Live a life like that where you're led by the Holy Spirit. You don't have to plan it out. Just so often it just happens spontaneously. And at your level, where you're at financially, wherever that's at, and you could be way beyond me, or we could have a same financial level, or you could be somebody that, hey, Pastor Stephen, I'm I'm, I'm I'm on minimum wage. You understand I can't do. I, I understand that. But wherever you're at, you can exercise giving. Oh, yes, receiving's fun. But giving is where the joy is at. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive so i tell i tell these little stories just to inspire you not to show off by any means or anything like that because uh if i could in a sense i'd just keep it all hidden but i need to let you know also that as your pastor that it's very important that we operate in a giving lifestyle you know i walked into uh my barber uh, the other day and uh, understand the context this is a Small country town area. Uh, this is not the city. Okay, we're we're in an hour and a half from Charlotte, <laughs> three hours from Raleigh. So this is the rural area of North Carolina. So I walk in there to uh, uh, get my hair cut, and um, there's one guy in front of me. He's up there getting his hair cut. I know the barber. And so, you know, there's, there's just kind of small talk. There's only a f- couple of men there. We're just talking and having fun, stuff like that. Um, everybody, you know, kind of every, uh, everybody that goes there loves Jesus. And everybody has a gun, you know, concealed carry. But it's just, it's just the culture, you know. So you sit down and you're and I, I'm just kind of like making small talk with some of the fellows. And I see a box that's sitting uh, in front of all the chairs kind of setback, but it's a box. Anybody can see it. You you can't help but notice it and I'm looking at the box, brand new, never been opened. It looked like the box that you would put like a large screen TV in. And uh on the front of it it said Mongoose. <laughs> I, so I said to my barber, I said, Hey, uh what's in the box? Oh, he said, uh Stephen, that's uh that's one of those scooters for kids. And I looked at the side of the box. Oh, then there's, a, there's an image. There's a picture of the scooter. And he said, you know, he said, I, I ordered two of those things online. I ordered two of them, and they sent me four of them. So I, he said, I had, I had to call the company and say, hey, you sent me four. So then he said, I had to pay for the other two. So I paid for four. I don't even need two. So I'm, I'm selling these two. And uh, he said, they're the best scooter you can get. And, uh, but, but you know, I, you know I'm, I'm in my 50s. I don't need a scooter. I'm just curious what's in the box. He's not trying to sell it to me, but it is for sale uh, for $150 for whoever wants a scooter. So I'm sitting there and uh, just hanging out. And uh, I'm next in the chair. Now, it's my time to get into the barber's chair and get my hair cut. And I'm just talking with my barber. We're having a nice little talk. And something happened there that's never happened before. Uh, a mother came in with four young children. Now, I've been to the barber over and over and over and over. And uh, this where all the police officers, all the lawmen go. It's, uh, it's where the guys go, so to speak. I have never once seen a mother. I've never seen a lady walk in besides my wife who often go with me. I've never once seen a mother walk in, much less with kids. But a mother walks in. With four young children, uh, three little girls and one boy, ranging in ages from six, probably maybe up to 12. And the boy was probably about eight. Well, I'm sitting in the chair and, uh, you know, they just take their seats. And remember, this is country. Uh, A lot of good country folk, they got to squeeze the dollar to get through the week and to get through the month and just to just to be able to keep on going. And I was getting my hair cut, and suddenly that little boy saw that box and saw the side of it with the picture of the mongoose scooter. And he said, is that what I think it is? And, and the you know, the barber, who's the owner of the store, uh, you know, the barber shop, he said, yep. He said, that's a mongoose. And the boy looked at that, and he said, how much is it? And when he was told the price, he's just like, I mean, you might as well set a million dollars. That family can't afford something like that. The, the kids, there's some suckers sitting out in a little basket, you know, get a sucker, a piece of candy. The kids are, they're so enraptured to get a piece of candy. I don't know. Maybe the candy was the high water mark for the whole week. I don't know. Get a piece of candy. Never seen kids so excited about candy. They love the candy. Why? Because, you know, when you don't have a lot of money, the sweet things in life that you get like that. And I grew up poor. I know what it's like. (laughs) Well familiar, well versed. (laughs) With those past memories of my life, I'm growing up in the backwoods of Mississippi, and we were poor. Hallelujah. Praise God. But the Lord, he altered my life through the strength of his word. Now, I'm in a position to be a blessing. So I'm sitting there in that chair. And I I saw the countenance drop on that young boy when he realized the price was out of the question and his mother could never afford that. And so he drifts back to whatever he was doing in the corner, playing with a sucker or lollipop or something like that. And so my haircut gets finished. And uh, I turn my back to you know, those seated out there. And I told my barber, I said, here's your, here's the money for my haircut. And I just peeled off some twenties. Boom, 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 boom. 160. Said, give me 10 back. I said, here's the full amount you want for that scooter. And I told him quietly, I said, give it to the, give it to the little boy. When I leave, give me a minute to get out of here. (laughs) He said, are you sure? Are you sure? I said, yeah. I'm sure (laughs) gave him a good tip and gave him exactly what he wanted for it. No wrangling, no arguing Will you take 74. No, none of that. Here's the full amount. Boom. Give it to the boy. When I leave, Mm -mm -mm -mm. praise the Lord. The men were already talking about whose truck is that out there. (laughs) Have you ever seen a truck? Like, look at the color of that truck. Whose truck is that? (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's mine. (laughs) Woo. See, see, you just walk in the level of blessing that you're at. But I gave him that money. They never, they never knew what was happening. They're all eating suckers or watching the TV. And I'm out of there. Got a, good, got a good haircut. I can only imagine the pandemonium that broke out about one minute after I got out of that place when that little boy realized what had happened when the barber broke it to him. Patrick, Stephen, you should have stayed. No, I don't need to stay and watch. That's, that's between me and the Lord. But I'll find out about all that stuff, all these little things that you can do throughout your life. One day, you'll find it out. The reward that God has for you. It's a lifestyle. Praise God. You, you, you live to give. Praise God. And let me just say this. I maybe didn't buy a brand new Rolls Royce for somebody and give them a $300,000 car. But to that little boy. There's no difference. <laughs> that to him was like, oh, oh, the ultimate. Oh, <laughs> Woo, he wanted that thing so bad. Praise God. Amen. But my friends, uh, you need to just have a heart for the Lord where when you have those spontaneous moments, you're able to do you're able to do what you can do. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And it is so much enjoyment. Your prosperity is not in someone else's pocket. You control your own financial destiny based upon what you choose to do with the money that's in your pocket. Mm -mm. I'm waiting to receive. I'm waiting to receive. That's good. But keep the giving going. Keep the giving lifestyle going. Mm -mm. I could tell you stories of many such things that my wife and I do just out of a love to give. But many of those things, of course, just like yourself, you would want to keep them concealed. But I only share a few just to inspire you. Uh, Kelly and I and our grown children, we take care, care of Kelly's mother. And uh, she's kept in the finest nursing home. And uh, uh, Kelly has uh, other you know, relatives that you know, it's easy to say how much you love somebody, but if you're not willing to put out some money, uh, that's, then there's, the love's not running very deep. It is impossible to love without giving. Praise the Lord. So we take good care of her. Why? We love her. And so we do what we can do to make sure that her life is very comfortable. She gets uh, good care, good food, wonderful treatment. Plus, we visit her often. Praise God. So, you know, we just do that. So often, your prosperity doesn't just ride on one thing. It rides on an overall platform of having a giving heart of just having a giving heart. Well, God, you got the tide and I, I did my, my obligation. So that's nice, but you're not really creating channels for the blessing to flow through that establishes the giving covenant, but for it to now flow that requires more of what we would call a giving lifestyle that creates the channel that blessing could actually flow through to you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, for those of you that prefer to give and honor the Lord with the tithe by mailing it in, please send it to Stephen Brooks International, PO Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, our zip code 28654. For those of you that prefer to bring the tithes and offerings in online because you love to give. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I know your heart, some of you get so excited about your tithe. Woo! And you should, hallelujah. You're connected with the platform of the covenant that no circumstances in the earth can prevail against. You'll be fine. Praise the Lord. And you also love to give. If so, through the online portal, please go to stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage that says, Give. It's a red heart. You can click it and bring the tithes and offerings in from anywhere in the world. We also have special projects. The project that we're focusing on uh, with the highest priority right now is to redo the parking lot surface with brand new asphalt. It's a $40,000 project. We're on the way, but we're not there yet. So your gifts towards that would be appreciated. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that Jesus did say it's more blessed to give than to receive. So let us know the joy of living to give. And Father, we thank you that we don't have to maybe buy somebody a brand new home something like that because there's there's many that are not on that level to do something like that but we thank you father that you're going to cause opportunities to come up that fit that fit the level of where your people are at and they'll be able to respond just literally reach into their pocket and respond right on the spot and it will be a blessing and we thank you father that only eternity in heaven will reveal the the rewards that you you give for such a heart, and we thank you, Father. We don't do it in a sense because we're looking for reward. We just do it for the for love and for joy because we like to do it <laughs> <laughs> because we have your nature. But Father, we thank you that you do see it, and uh, you certainly uh, you certainly know how to take care of us and bless your people. So Father, bless them with seed to sow. Always may they always have seed to sow. Thank you, Father, not only for the the ministry, of course, but Father, also the things that just pop up in their own individual lives around them in their uh, ecosystem of life, of their world that they live in. And we thank you, Father God. We thank you. And we bless you in Jesus' name. We agree and say, Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, today, let's take our Bibles. And we're going to go to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter ten. So let's go back to the new—excuse uh, me—the old covenant. And we're going to go to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter ten. Today we're going to talk about an interesting subject that I've titled "Creating Your Throne." Praise God, creating your throne, Heavenly Father. As we go into Your Word to study it, we ask that these scriptures would be opened up by the illumination of your Holy Spirit, that we can take them, apply them to our lives and see any plateaus, uh, beyond any barriers overcome And, and father, any difficult situations that the way out would be clearly revealed. Now we receive the help of your spirit. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's all agree and say amen. Now, last week we talked about the subject of work and the dignity of work and labor and doing a good job. Hallelujah. But we need to also understand that work by itself will not lift you into high levels of success. My friends, it takes creative work, to guarantee certain levels of what we would call exceptional productivity. And this creative work requires, demands, thinking and reasoning. Oh, Pastor Stephen, don't tell me I'm going to have to use my brain, my mind. <laughs> yes, that's good. <laughs> you know, an old pastor who wrote 70 books. And I, I haven't read one that's not good. I haven't read one that's not anointed. He wrote 70 books. This is what he said. He said, And he said this in his 80s. He said, I have found that by continually writing books, particularly as I have gotten older, that it keeps my mind sharp. Woo, praise the Lord. So, yes, we are going to use the minds that God has given us. And we're going to not only work, but we are going to work in a creative way. And to do so requires that we think, and that we also reason with our minds. Thinking is the ability to coordinate thoughts in a productive way for an increased output. Let me say that again. thinking is the ability to coordinate thoughts in a productive way for an increased output. Now, that output could be perhaps in your business, or if you're a minister, it could be in your ministry. Or if you're employed uh, employed by an employee and maybe you work for a corporation or for some type of business, then that could be applied to your job, your career field. Praise the Lord. That, that, that increased output. That's what we're looking for. So working alone does not make you wealthy. I've seen some very hard workers that work hard. And they're still not wealthy. Now, I can certainly understand the lazy not becoming wealthy because they're missing all kinds of opportunities. They're not, they're not applying themselves. But it's going to take more than just hard work. It must be wise work. Wise work generates wealth. Please let that go into your spirit. Wise work generates wealth now in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 15 it says the labor of fools wearies them for they do not even know how to go to the city what's going on here pastor Stephen in this verse we're seeing men working but they're working without any results And you can even know where it is that you want to go. But the frustrating thing is, is that you don't know how to get there. They want to get to the city. They're working on doing that. It's just not happening. And my friends, it can be very frustrating. But I see that from this day forward, there will not be any vanity, any vain work ever again. In your work. Praise God. It's not vain work. It's not foolish work. It's not just spinning the wheels, not getting anywhere. Nope. That's over. Praise the Lord. I see wise work coming out of you that's going to create very, very unusual, unusually productive results. Praise God. Now, Psalm 104. Let's go to the Psalms. Psalm 104. Praise the Lord. And we're going to go to verse 24. Now, this this verse is going to really grab some of you because it's going to really speak to you. Watch this. O Lord, how manifold. That means they're, they're multifaceted. There's many of them. How manifold are your works in wisdom. You have made them all. God's made them all. Now, all the wealth of the universe came out of wisdom. Think about that. All of the wealth of the universe came out of the wisdom of God. In wisdom, you have made them all. Praise the Lord. Everything has come out of the wisdom of God. This wisdom will attain results for you in any environment, and it will do it under any type of circumstances. And I must say, my friends, that regardless of where you live, regardless of what's going on in your part of the world, the the economy of the government or the economy of your region is not the problem. Praise the Lord. You must engage your mind with God's wisdom for extraordinary output because that wisdom will prevail over the negative circumstances that you could be facing. Now, perhaps you're in an economy that's going, boom, glory to God. And it's easy to go up with that lifting. But there's many people that watch these messages from various parts of the world And it's very difficult to go upstream because everything else is going downstream. And maybe there's a lot of fraud. Maybe there's a lot of corruption. And the system, maybe in a sense, we could say is rigged against you. But I need to let you know that with God's wisdom, His wisdom prevails over all of these corrupt methods. Mm -mm. In wisdom, you have made them all. I'm telling you, my friends, God knows what he's doing and the application of his wisdom in your life is going to produce a level of productivity that's going to astound you and those around you. Praise God. Now well Pastor Stephen, how do we, how do we do it? How do we make application of it? Let's talk about it from the words of Jesus, his teaching in Luke chapter 14. Let's go to the gospel of Luke chapter 14. And we're going to look at something amazing that he said in verse 28. For which of you intending to build the tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish all who see it begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish verse 28 again for which of you intending to build the tower does not sit down first while hard work is important and you need to do it with all your might yet the work in order to be profitable The work must be done in wisdom. And my friends, you must have times where you sit down. Why, Pastor Stephen? To generate, to create, and analyze ideas that you get through thinking. You have to sit down and you have to think. Now, we're going to do this. What are the logical steps that we need to take? in order to get it done. So you generate ideas. They can be very creative, but then you analyze them and perhaps even talk it over with team members, get counsel, input and advice. And then based upon that, then you begin to move forward. Praise the Lord. There is an element of prayer and fasting and so forth, but you're going to, you can't avoid facts you're going to have to gather knowledge, information, and you need facts. And if you use those facts right, those facts will help you become fat. Woo! Praise the Lord. And you end up making some good money. Praise the Lord. I do know a man that started a business and a good man, nice man. And he told me, uh, he was concerned, though, when he told me, he said, he said, Pastor Stephen, I'm I'm generating sales each month of four hundred thousand dollars. That's pretty good. He he started the business, uh, and he's making four. uh, Well, not making, but he's generating four hundred thousand dollars in sales. I said, okay. So what's what's the scoop then? He goes, well, uh, my my all in costs though are like four hundred forty thousand dollars. So he's actually running behind, going into a hole forty thousand dollars every month and this has been going on now for about a year and so he's he's almost like a half a million dollar into the hole and he has he has a real problem and not only that he had signed a commercial lease on a commercial building uh, to you know have r- room to do all of these things that he's doing and now that he wants to shut the business down because he's not making money now he's stuck in a long term, high-paying monthly commercial lease that he can't get out of. So he told me, I've got two options, either file bankruptcy or, you know, I'm going to have to have an attorney and go into a legal battle with this uh, very high-powerful, very wealthy, you know, corporate leasing agency because he said, I'm stuck. And you know what? This is is an interesting fact. Sixty-five percent. Of all businesses fail within the first 10 years. Why? They they never obeyed verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower or build a business or build a house? How about this one? Build a ministry. Okay. For, For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it whether he has enough to finish it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the gentleman who told me his dilemma, he never asked me to pray for him. He, he's a real smart guy. He actually thought he was smarter than God, but he, he wasn't feeling too smart with the trap he got himself stuck in. He actually came to my church one time, and although he's very wealthy, uh, worked for Bill Gates and has lots of money, millions of dollars. When he came to my church, he actually came on the day uh, with his family in which we were raising a special offering for something that the ministry needed vitally. And you know what? He sat there and didn't give one penny. He did not give one penny. He's worth millions. He didn't give a penny. He built his house, paid his house off debt free, hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> he didn't give one penny. But right there in that service, with he almost having like a mocking spirit, like, oh, you know, Stephen's ever going to get the money. I said, now, we're going to take the offering. And then after the offering was done, the monies were given uh, there in the physical church, and the monies were coming in online. I said, let's add it up, count it right now. And right there on the spot, we had more than enough. he couldn't believe it he couldn't believe it that god did it without him oh, oh <laughs> yes god's not in need god's not a beggar oh please please won't you give my mark woo, please no no we're, we're talking about god in his wisdom created all of this and gives us the privilege of participating in it and also his his kingdom but this man um he, he, did not, he did not see the value of the church. Honestly, I don't, I don't even think he was saved. He's a good man in the sense that uh, I never heard him use one curse word. Uh, you know, he was raised in aristocracy, so he's very polished. But uh, he had no trust in the Lord. His reliance was upon himself, and that had led him into a mess. See, he worked for a major corporation. But he had never started his own business. So he was doing fine when he was working for somebody else. And those leaders were running the ship. But when he tried to do his own thing on the side, in other words, tried to build a tower himself, he never set down the it out. So you can be a smart cookie. You could have a lot of money. But you could launch off into something without planning, without thinking, without going through all the mental processing of the steps and then end up in a place where you're trapped. And there is no easy, perhaps solution to get out, especially for the person that has no covenant with God. You could be in a real mess you could you could you could destroy your financial prosperity that maybe took twenty or thirty years to create. But my friends, let me tell you this: that will never happen to you. you're never going to have a sad testimony you're going to have nothing but good testimonies. Why you sat down to think. you sat down to lose to use rational logical thinking. Let's go through the steps. Let's get a team meeting together. Let's talk about this so that we make sure we don't miss anything. Let's itemize the cost of everything. So we know exactly how much it costs and then how much they're going to upcharge it, whether it's a general contractor, or whatever it is, let's run the numbers ourselves. Let's know what we're looking at. Yes. Everybody has a right to make money. That's being involved. That's, you know, if the subcontractors, contractors or whatever that that's fair. But, Let's not get price gouged. Let's be aware of what's taking place. Why are the, why is the lumber prices so high? Well, you know, lumber has gone up 300% in the last year <laughs> so that all the lumber prices out there tripled. So all of these things factor it in. What are the costs? Well, I didn't know that. Well, you should have known that before you told them to uh, start constructing goes. That's a lot of wood going into that project. Well, I, I didn't know that we have to change it. Well, you've already signed it. You signed on the contract. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. I see you as a Holy Spirit filled thinker, using your mind to go through the whole process, not being caught off guard with anything. Even bringing up questions that perhaps things that they thought were veiled that they could conceal from you, the Holy Spirit highlights to your heart. Ask about this. Is that included? And so. My friends, your tower will be completed. Woo! Glory to God. There, but I'll tell you what, there's more exciting things to build than just a tower. Maybe you're not <laughs> very much into a tower. So um, uh, there are many things that you can construct and build out, even uh, in your business where things go to higher levels of productivity. You know, I know in the body of Christ that there are some subjects that Maybe they're more fun to follow, read about, study. You know, spiritual warfare. That's cool. Yes! Let's go in the prayer. And let's block the power of the devil. And let's pray. Hallelujah! And let's fast. Yes, Pastor Stephen! I enlist for a 40-day fast. (laughs) Okay. It's cool. It's fun. (laughs) And we're going to teach that. It's all biblical. But what do you do after you've prayed? Because... uh, Eventually, let's say you do a long fast. What do you do after the fast? Because it will eventually end. What do you do after you have been anointed with fresh oil? I'll tell you exactly what you do. You sit down, and then you start thinking. And as you do with that anointing upon you, having prayed, sought the face of God, as you start to think, sit down and think, God will show you steps to get you out of any crisis situation that you may find yourself in. You know, I've I I've, I've have people that have listened to these messages that are living in uh in you know huge homes and I have people that listen to these messages that literally live out of their car and they're watching the message on their on their phone through through uh you know streaming or uh, you know, 4G or 5G or whatever it is, but they're, they're watching in very difficult places. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, as you sit and think, God will say, do this, this, this. And, and it's usually a process. You can't, you can't always jump to instant deliverance. Woo. Look at that. Somebody just gave me a million dollars. I'm out of here. I'm going, I'm going to go get me a place to live. Sometimes it steps, Boom, 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 boom. But as you start walking those steps, he'll show you exactly what to do. But you're going to have to think. You're going to have to get still, think, think about it, and God will help you. Now, the level to which you are willing to engage your mind determines the level of results that you will achieve. Let me say that again. The level to which you engage your mind. So you've fasted, you've prayed, you've read the Bible. Praise God. But the level to which you engage your mind determines the level of results you will achieve. See, your car has a transmission that is in it, but you must be able to engage the transmission to go anywhere or else the car just sits there. So your mind has the ability to take you places to take you out of situations that you need to get out of and take you into areas that you do need to get into. And the Holy spirit will work with you through your mind. Because even as your spirit yielded to the Holy spirit gets information and gets ideas. Guess what? It's all coming up and being run and processed through your mind. When I prophesy, I see images that are being played in my mind. Now it's coming out of my spirit, but God's going to work with the image screen on my mind when I have a vision. It's, it's my spirit that is being quickened. And, but so often, God, uh, particularly if it's a spiritual vision, he will show it to me through my mind. Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. We must be willing to engage our minds. Now, God wants you to have a mental attitude that is willing to say, regardless of the situation, you must be willing to say, there must be a way out of this. And for others of you that are in different scenarios where you're actually wanting to get into something, God wants you to have a mental attitude that says, there's got to be a way for me to get in. There's got to be. And I'll tell you what, there is. And as you sit and think, after you've prayed, as you sit and think, God will show you the steps. The first one, then the the second one, and you can you can start walking towards it. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want to make a statement, and we're going to talk about this based upon Isaiah chapter 66. Let's jump over there just for a moment. Isaiah 66, 1. But here's what I would like to say. Every throne is created. It is not a gift it's something that's created and every throne is a creation of wisdom every throne that you would see is the expression of a creation that has been brought forth by wisdom which was produced by a person that was a thinker that thought hmm wonder what kind of a throne i could make now look at Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne. So God obviously thought I need a big one. <laughs> All right. Woo! Heaven is my throne. Oh, uh, But then he realized, okay, that's great, but I'm going to need a place to put my feet. And earth is my footstool. Mm-mm. Did you notice here that in light of the Scripture, That even God had to create his own throne. Mm -mm. Now, in the same manner, the throne that you would desire to have here on the earth also is going to have to be created by you. Mm -mm. Because because in so many ways, nobody else really knows what you want except for you. Now, there can be some help. There can be some inspiration. There can be maybe some pictures showed. Is this the color palette that you like? Is this the color carpet or drapes? Is this, and you know, you can see different designs and things like that. But really, you know in here what you like when you see it, when you hear it. When you taste it or, or smell it or whatever it might be. That's why there's so many different perfumes out there. Because what one person thinks is wonderful, you might think, well, that, that's nice, it doesn't do anything for me. But this one over here, oh yes. So you know the throne that you desire, but you're the one that is going to have to create it just like God created his own throne, and even threw in a footstool somewhere to put his feet. So he made a whole planet called the earth just to put his feet on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This is fascinating in 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 18. You ready for an extraordinary throne? I see something being constructed in your life of great beauty. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a poem. Maybe it's a song. Maybe it's an album. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's a new ministry. I see a new throne being created. But I can guarantee you that throne will have to be created through wisdom. And that wisdom is a result of deep meditative thinking that comes after you have done your, your time of prayer, your time in the Word, your time with God. You're going to have to think. Praise God. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 18. Moreover, the king, that would be Solomon, made a great throne of ivory. Wow. <laughs> Where did he get all the ivory from? I don't know. That's a lot of tusk. A lot of, uh, lot of ivory was needed. A great throne of ivory. Well, if it was just made of ivory alone, yeah, that's pretty impressive. But he didn't stop there and overlaid it with pure gold. He had poured on top of all of that ivory, 24-carat solid gold. The throne had six steps, and the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the armrest. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. How come it wasn't made anywhere else? Not the same level of thinking, not the same level of wisdom being applied. And so out of that wisdom, out of that thinking, hmm, let's create something that's never been expressed before. Oh, there's plenty of thrones Surrounded by all of these smaller tribal-type nations. And then you have Egypt down south, and you've got some big stuff going on over in Persia. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But Solomon's like, let's, let's create something through the wisdom of God. And he was loaded with it. And by the way, you are too. You have the mind of Christ. Solomon's like, let's create something they've never seen before. But let's make it also something that we like, particularly something that I like, because it's for him, and your throne will be for you. Praise the Lord. So he dialed it up, planned it out, had the architectural designs created, and then they went to work on it. Now, of course, we also thank the Lord for all of the Jewish rabbis and sages throughout the many centuries who passing down not only written eyewitness accounts, but also the oral tradition of those ancient Jewish leaders who actually saw it and scribes who saw it and wrote about it. Of course, we have it in the Bible, but we also have just writings and documents that have been gathered over the periods of time from original eyewitnesses who saw the throne. And let me say this about the Jewish people. They are excellent record keepers, and they are so good at preserving their history. So, uh, based upon what the rabbis saw, also not just three verses that we have here that give an overview, that is that tell us uh, you know this thing was fabulous, but this is from those that actually stood there and saw it and had time to write and give more detail, and this is what they said. King Solomon's throne was the most wonderful throne that any king ever sat upon. It was fashioned of ivory and covered with pure gold. It was set with rubies, sapphires, emeralds, and other precious stones that shone with the most brilliant, the most dazzling, the most fascinating hues and colors. I'm reading this from Shabbat.org which is a site of Jewish learning six steps led to the seat and each step served to remind the king of one of the six special commandments that the kings of Israel were commanded to observe on the first step, a golden lion lay facing a golden ox on the opposite side. On the second step, a golden wolf faced Golden Lamb. So there was a lot of symbolism in these beautiful artifacts because you're you're looking at um, even symbolism of the millennium of the one thousand year reign of Christ and so forth. And in many ways, uh, Solomon was a he was a forerunner, a type and shadow of the, of the Savior who would one day rule the world from Jerusalem, from Israel, for one thousand years. On the third step, a golden tiger faced a golden camel. On the fourth step, a golden eagle faced a golden peacock. Solomon uh, was big on peacocks. Now, on the fifth, a golden cat faced a golden rooster. And on the sixth step, a golden hawk faced a golden dove. Higher still, above the throne, a golden dove held a golden hawk in its beak. Praise the Lord. The hawk represents the apostolic ministry. Now, uh, that's, by the way, Isaiah chapter 46, verse 11. Now, uh, and you would have to read that in the Hebrew to understand that. Okay, on the side, rising over the throne, stood an exquisite menorah of pure gold, decorated with golden cups, knobs, flowers, blossoms, and petals. On each side of the menorah, seven branches turned upwards. On the branches of one side were engraved the names of the seven fathers of the world, Adam, Noah, Shem, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Job. They were engraved there. On the other seven branches of the menorah, the names of the most pious men were engraved. On each side of the throne, there was a special golden chair, one for the high priest And one for the assistant high priest surrounded by 70 golden chairs for the 70 elders, uh, which would be the Sanhedrin, uh, which was the Israeli version of the Supreme high court. Now, Twenty-four golden vines formed a huge canopy above the throne. My friends, are you seeing <laughs> the magnificence of what this man created with the wisdom of God? Oh, Pastor Stephen, he just pulled that off in one day. He just drew that out on a napkin. Oh, no, no, this was this was extreme planning. Extreme planning details. Sitting down. Thinking, allowing the Holy spirit to take your mind into deep levels of creative thought. And then the logical processes of walking that out step by step, knowing that, Hey, if we're going to do this, we're going to need some skilled people. And he had them. He had them. Woo, glory to God. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Okay. Let's continue reading about Solomon's throne. Be inspired also for the throne that the Lord would have you build for your life. When King Solomon stepped upon the throne, a mechanism was set in motion. Now let me say this without getting into it. There was a lot of Egyptian technology there in the temple. You had sand hydraulics. You had other mechanisms and other forms that they had learned from the Egyptians. But And, and Solomon just taking it to a whole new level with the brilliant mind that he had. When King Solomon stepped upon the throne, a mechanism was set in motion. As soon as he stepped upon the first step, the golden ox and the golden lion each stretched out one foot to support him and helped him rise to the next step. On each side, the animals helped the king up until he was comfortably lifted up Upon the throne. No sooner was he seated than a golden eagle brought the great crown and held it just above King Solomon's brow so that it should not weigh heavily on his head. So the crown did not literally sell on his head because it's too heavy. I mean, it could have weighed like 50 pounds with all the gold and stones. So this mechanism. Uh, you think of like, uh, you know, the, these clocks, these big antique clocks with the, with the cuckoo that comes out and all the mechanics back behind it. That's what they had going on, but even more advanced. So this mechanism would bring that crown right over his head and hold it right there. And uh, very uh, deep thought went into the design of all of this. Now, there upon the top. The golden dove flew over the holy ark and brought out a tiny scroll of the Torah and placed it in King Solomon's lap in accordance with the commandments of the Torah that the Torah should always be with the king and should guide him in his reign over the Jewish people. The high priest and his assistant, all the 70 elders would rise to greet the king and would sit down to hear the cases brought for judgment." King Solomon's throne was the talk of all the reigning kings and princes. They came to marvel at its wonders and admire its beauty. Many years later, when Pharaoh Neca, uh, of course, from Egypt, invaded the land of Judah, he carried away this wonderful throne. Now, we're talking about later when Israel had gone into apostasy And now God is allowing other nations to invade and conquer areas of Israel. So Pharaoh eventually invaded the land of Judah. He carried away this wonderful throne. But when he set his foot on the first step, the golden lion gave him such a kick in the thigh (laughs) that he toppled over and remained a cripple for life. That is why he was named Nekeh, which means the lame one. Still later, When Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple and subsequently conquered Egypt as well, he carried the throne away to Babylon. But when he tried to ascend it, the lion threw him over, and he did not venture to sit on it ever again. Later, King Darius of Persia conquered Babylon and carried the throne with him to Media. Now, when the king of Persia tried to ascend the throne, he too got a kick in the pants and toppled down, and he did not try to sit on it ever again. Instead, he sent for a team of great Egyptian engineers and ordered them to construct for him a throne similar to King Solomon's. For nearly three years, the great Egyptian masters worked on a throne for the king, and they finally, they finally completed it. But as you and I both know, it was nothing like the original And I see originality in you. I see creativity in you. And my friends, you're going to pull this out by thinking. Jesus said, sit down and think. Count the cost. Analyze it. Talk about it. Discuss it. Get it on paper. Get the blueprint. Let's see it. Let's map it all out. That requires reasoning. It requires thinking. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Now, many of you have seen my half hour television program called Pure Gold, which airs on various networks around the world. Praise God. And if you have seen that show, you'll notice that we have a medieval castle type feel. But season three, which is in final post production editing right now and will soon be sent to all the networks, season three will reveal that we had an upgrade on the throne. The throne that we had in season one, season two was nice. But you know what? We needed something a little more Solomon style. (laughs) Woo, glory. And we got it. We got it. Well, Pastor Stephen, I guess you and Pastor Kelly just created all that in just a few days, didn't you? You just, just threw it all together, didn't you? There it was. It just all came out. No, it took five months to build the set, not five days not five weeks. It took five months with about eight people on it working five days a week and some overtime, (laughs) lots of overtime. I was told it took five months to build it. And the set director told me that a man came in from London and uh, he saw that set. He saw our set. and He said, wow. He said, I've got a castle about a, about 400 meters down the road from the office of where I work, and he said, This set looks just like that castle. <laughs> he said, This is amazing. <laughs> How did y'all do this? Oh, Pastor Stephen, it just all happened. Lots of planning. And as you can see, it's some of the images I'm having put up on the screen Pastor Kelly sitting down with the engineer to map it all out, to plan it all out before anything is ever cut. Remember, uh, measure twice. Cut once praise the Lord uh, and there's a lot of measuring all kinds of measuring and then there was digital imaging and then there was the planning for the lights and then the planning for the electrical and, and then you know then there's got to be painted and then you've got to you got to get all the props and you've got to you got to fit it all in and then there's the cameras uh, four cameras all shooting from different directions including the, the boom jig camera which is movable uh, a lot of work a lot of planning. Well, Pastor Stephen, I think it looks amazing. It's it, it's your throne for your life. You're going to have to build that your throne, and you know what you want. Kelly knows my heart. She she can read what I like silently. She can she knows what I like, and so her and I sitting down, and me, uh, just you know saying yes, this is the, this is the right direction, and then me going back to my job, which is. Prayer and study in the word to minister to you and Kelly sitting down with these designers and team saying, let's make it happen. Let's get it all drawn out. Let's get, let's get the engineering plans and boom, I'm going to turn you guys with your own creative anointing loose. Woo. And they, they, they've got the gift praise the Lord, but it's all plan, 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 plan. I don't, I don't want another meeting, Pastor Steve. I don't want another You're going to have to have enough meetings to whatever it takes to get it ironed out and smooth. And then when you're ready, launch it. Woo. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. But we must, as Pentecostal tongue talking, vision seeing, dream interpreting people of God, we must use our minds. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. God has a throne. Solomon had a phenomenal throne, the greatest one in the earth. God wants you to have your own throne. God wants you to build your life out with structure, order, planning, and the things that you do, how can we say? The towers that you would build or the thrones that you would create, they're completed. They're actually finished. Finished. Not half done and then towel thrown in. Oh, uh, well, we didn't know about, oh, and just, thought you know. No. Finished. I see you as a finisher. Because of your good planning. Lift up your hands. Father, I pray for your people. There's genius anointing in them. They belong to you. They have the mind of Christ. Now they must use it. Now they must sit down and think. And I thank, I thank you that they're going to. And you're going to show them the steps they should take to create their throne. That will bring you glory. That will make their life comfortable. That will make them more productive than they've ever been in their lives. Even productivity, that's a level of astonishing because it's smooth and everything is well thought out. Now, we thank you, Father God. Let the thanking anointing come upon your people. I thank you, Father God, and that this week you will be touched. Within the next five days, you will be touched with the thanking anointing. Pastor Stephen, I want the miracle working anointing. There's many that think that. You know what they need? They need the thanking anointing. They need the thanking anointing. Within these next five days, the thanking anointing will touch your mind. Receive in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. And for many of you, it's flowing right now. Right now. It's flowing over your mind. Mm-mm. God, we give you praise. God, we give you praise. Pastor Chief, I don't have the money to do that. Money's not the issue. The, the issue is you don't know where to go. And the reason you don't know where to go is because you, don't, you, haven't, you haven't planned it out. You have to stop and think. And then when you get it on paper, finalized, formalized, God just has a way of causing the money to show up. Because you're already a giver. You're already a tither. You've already prayed. You've already fasted. But you're going to have to think it out. And then when you're ready, trust me, God knows how to be right there for you when it's time to launch it. There'll be no lack. The money will be there on time. But you're going to have to do your part and thank. Thank it all out. Now, Father, we praise you. Bless your people. Thank you, Father God. Solomonic wisdom and the anointing of Christ. They have the mind of Christ. I thank you, Father, for them thanking like Jesus. Now, we give you praise. We give you praise. I thank you. There's nothing on this earth, no trouble, no difficulty that will outwit them. Thank you, Father. We give you all of the praise. God's going to show you what to do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're watching today's program and you don't know the greatest thinker of all time, not just the greatest miracle worker, but the greatest thinker of all time, his name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and he died on the cross 2,000 years ago as a sinless sacrifice to redeem lost humanity from their sins. If you would like to receive him now, and receive his eternal life and the ability to think his thoughts and to think like him, that that creative anointing. Pray this prayer right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died to save sinners like me. Thank you for dying for me. Jesus, I give my heart to you. Come into my life right now. Wash all of my sins away. I turn from my sins. Write my name in your book of life. Give me your new life right now. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And he has heard that prayer, and he has answered and said, Yes, you now belong to him. Praise God. Welcome to the family of God. Praise God. Amen. Now let's take Holy Communion together. Those of you that have just received Christ Find a mature Christian, a Christian that really loves Christ, and go talk to that person about getting water baptized. Tell them you've gotten saved. You now belong to Jesus. You need to get water baptized. That's your next step. That's your next plan in your walk with God. Get baptized in water. Praise the Lord. That is a declaration. That is a public declaration of your commitment and your faith to Christ, which is water baptism. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I'm sure your Christian friend will be very happy to help you uh, in that next step. Let's take Holy Communion. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the bread and the juice. We consecrate it now through this prayer. and We thank you. This is the body and the blood of Christ, our Savior. We thank you, Father God, for the body of Jesus, the Creator, of the universe and all that is within it. He created everything. It's the wisest one. He's all God, all man. Father, as we receive his body, we thank you that we can operate in the wisdom of Christ. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for letting our minds be on your frequency. The privilege of this, we give you praise. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the body of Jesus. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Father, if we have committed any sin, we ask that you would forgive us and wash us with the precious blood of Christ. Father, if anybody has sinned against us, we completely, 100% forgive them. And we bless them and we go on. We thank you, Father. We hold nothing against anyone. We forgive them completely. And Father, we ask that You would lead us away from temptation and deliver us from the evil one. And we thank you that you will. And for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Thank you, father, for the cleansing blood of Jesus In his name. We pray. Amen. Let's receive praise the Lord. In closing, let me say this as we have just received the blood of Christ. If you ever, Blow it, you sin or whatever. Repent. Sin has a way of shutting down that frequency of wisdom of the God level of wisdom, and so it 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 blocks or hinders that frequency from coming through. So to think with clarity, um, then you need to stay away from sin. Because sin will hinder that ability to pick up on that wisdom when you think sin can distract. So press in to God and live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. And of course, if we ever do sin, we have the blood of Jesus that covers and cleanses, washes us from all sin. Praise the Lord. That doesn't mean that you have to take communion. Anytime you sin, you wouldn't be able to do that, of course. But you can take communion as often as you like. Of course, we take it twice a week. You can take it every day if you like. But walk with the Lord. Do your best to live for the Lord. Praise God. So that that frequency is wide open. Glory to God. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect. The only perfect person was Jesus. But stay out of sin. It'll it'll, um, gum up the system. Praise God. This flow of wisdom. Mm -mm. Father, bless your people. I thank you. I see them flying high in the spirit. And I see them on this frequency and remaining on it all the days of their life. And I thank you, Father God, that there will be thrones that will bring you much glory and will do much to further your kingdom in the earth. Father, bless your people with these brilliant ideas in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for watching. Go create your throne. I'll see you next time.